Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. Welcome back to another week of fun chats. Um, if you are new to the show, this podcast, which I host every single Sunday, is all about um, the lived experiences and stories of different sex workers from around the world. I mean, largely it is based in North America, and actually there's quite a few of you as well that are based in Europe, but I'm excited to bring on a guest all the way from New Zealand today. Um, we're gonna get into that pretty shortly, but just a quick little introduction again if you're new. My name is Steph Sia. I am the host of the show. I am a stripper. I am a forger. I have forger. I was a former sugar baby. I am also a digital content creator and I do a lot of other amazing things that are non-sex work related. And I've been doing the show for the past couple of years because I really like it. And I think it's really important to share the stories of sex workers because I feel like a lot of the time in the media and other places, you know, um, people get a different um, stereotypical narrative <laughs> um, typically. And it's just usually not generally correct. So I really want to be able to destigmatize the industry in my own little way. So yeah, I've been doing this show for the past couple of years and it's been great. And I really enjoy getting in touch and connecting with all of you uh, listening around the world, whether you're a sex worker, maybe you are an ally, you're a civilian, maybe you're a client. Um, the audience here is really, really diverse and awesome. And you guys are great. I never, I don't shout out everyone a lot. So uh, thank you so much for listening. But enough of me rambling. I really want to introduce this week's guest. And I'm also super, super, super excited about um, to chat about decriminalization, especially in New Zealand. So New Zealand is basically like the model that a lot of countries look towards in uh, the decriminalization of sex work. So I'm, I'm really stoked to learn more about this topic. I have brought on a wonderful guest who is well-versed in this topic and who is a perfect person to bring onto the show. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the audience to Vixen Temple of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vixen, are you there? Hello, everyone. Kia ora. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We are so excited to have you as well. Thank you. I, what time is it over there right now? It is quarter past one in the afternoon. Um, my city, Tamaki Makoto, is still in level three lockdown. So I'm just chilling in my partner's bedroom, vibing, talking to you, having a time. It's great. Yay. It's going to be a great, like, really packed, jam-packed hour. Uh, we have a lot to discuss today. I'm super excited to get to know you and, and to have connected with you just really recently. I have heard of you before. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm flattered. All yeah. bad things, I hope. <laughs> no, great things, great things. I feel like we have, we share similar circles or at least we have, we share a lot of like mutual kind of um, sex work oh, friends. <laughs> we have the same goal in mind of trying to destigmatize our industry. So Go oh, us. Yeah. We're just out Go here. Go us. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing our best, exactly. I'm, I'm so excited to chat with you today. Also, um, quick little uh, I am uh, apology. I am sorry. There's a little bit of an issue with the sound today. So bear with us. The the work here is, and like what we're going to be talking about is really, really important. So please stick around. Um, Vixen, I'd, I'd love to get to know you a bit better. I, I just know like a little bit about you just from like um, really brief stalking on the internet. <laughs> 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 it's on my I hope it looks good because I spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> I think so. I just feel like you are a person of many talents. Um, you are a sex worker. You've done various forms of sex work, like I think quite quite a bit, varied, varied amount of sex work. You're also a writer, you're also a podcaster. Um, you've had done a lot of interviews in the media, which is really, really cool. And obviously like you're a huge advocate for for sex work. So um, that's like really what I think about you in a nutshell, but can you tell the audience about who you are and what it is that you do in your own words and in your own terms? Oh, well, first of all, thank you, Tenakwe. That's very sweet. Um, hearing you say that back, my imposter syndrome's like, whoa, what? I do all those things? That's really rad. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <for being here. laughs> um, I guess in my own words, hi, my name is Vixen Temple. I'm a Tamaki Makoto-based sex worker, activist, podcast host, and performance artist. Uh, so I've worked as a stripper, sugar baby, escort, 
Um, but with lockdown at the moment, I'm currently working online, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, really enjoying. Outside of that, when the world is resuming as per normal, quotation mark, I am a performance artist. I do drag. I do burlesque. I um, just love to do gender bent. You know, gender is a social construct. I have a drag character, Bruce the Strip Club uh, customer, who he's a satirical take on the classic. Uh, strip club customers, his motto is, I'm not booking, I'm just looking. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so there's lots of videos of him on my um, Instagram and YouTube channel, which I'll plug at the end. But I've also got Vixen Temple, who is a self-proclaimed feminist sex witch. I'm a pleasure witch. Um, I sell sex toys. My focus is to really burn the patriarchy and help heal people from their trauma, which has a lot of it has come from patriarchy and white supremacy and misogyny. I really want oh, to burn that shit. Burn the patriarchy. And burn the fucking burn patriarchy. the fucking patriarchy and dance naked on the ashes with all of us beautiful humans. And that's really, I guess, <laughs> the basis of what I do. I entered the sex work industry back in 2018, right before Foster and Sister was implemented. I started online oh. and then Foster Sister came in and just ruined that for me. So I started stripping and then it all evolved from there, I suppose. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So you do a lot of things. Amazing. I can't believe I forgot to mention all of your performance art. I am so sorry. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I forget about all that because I haven't done it for a hot minute, but um, <laughs> I'm very excited next year in January. Um, my theater company that I work through that my friend Nocturnus runs, Nocturne Sanctum, is putting on a sex work variety show, all sex workers. Very, very exciting to be headlining that. I have a ritual that I'm going to host where we're going to banish swerfs, banish yes. misogyny, and we're all going to just scream and be excited about celebrating and elevating sex workers. Yes, I think that's an amazing initiative and like so cool. Like, yes, please, please plug the link and give us all the information at the end of the show. Like, we'd love to. Oh, I will. Don't you worry. It's going to be good. I'm very excited for it. <laughs> so going back to you, because the topic is, is about you. I mean, we really want to hear a little bit more about like, um, yeah, your foray into Sexburg. You mentioned you started in 2018. Um, and like, how, how, is, uh, how has sex work like transformed <laughs> you? Because I know that sex work is always... It plays a huge part in, in most of our lives, I would say. And because like, I mean, with any job... We spend a lot of time at work, right? And uh, sex work is no exception, right? Yeah. Do you want to go a little bit into that? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I entered the industry um, online. I started off with a private Snapchat. I used to be a cosplayer. Um, so I would cosplay yeah. characters. And of course, that got all the nerdy boys coming in. Yeah. I was a Quinn cosplayer. I had men thirsting over me. So I thought, you know what? I'm a broke uni student. I was in my last year of uni studying a Bachelor of Arts in Film Media Theatre. And I thought, okay, I want to make money. I'm sick of being poor. I have celiac disease. I have mental health problems. I can barely work and study and, and support my life. Like, I need, I need extra money. What am I going to do? Okay, I'll get my tits out. Uh, <laughs> made a Snapchat, got people to send me money, made enough money. I was, I was making bank. Like, I, I don't mean to brag, but like, damn, I was making money. And I was really proud of myself. And having grown up, you know, in a lower middle class family with a single mom, it was like, wow, I have money. Yeah. This, this is crazy. I've, I've never had this much money in my life before. Mm -hmm. And then Foster Sister came along and my accounts got deleted. My, uh -oh. you know. My PayPal was being watched over. I was getting right. in trouble. I was being naughty, naughty, naughty stripper. I mean, sex worker. <laughs> so I, <laughs> so as a result of that, I became a, a stripper. Okay. Um, I needed to make more money. And, you know, I love performing. I graduated university. I was working a retail job. I got pregnant, had an abortion, um, had a, a quarter-life crisis of like, what am I doing? Mm. I've just graduated university. I'm working retail. I hate this. I'm miserable. I'm severely overworked. I'm severely exploited. I was an assistant manager. I was working overtime, underpaid. I was miserable. I was returning home from work, severely depressed. You know, I was getting quite suicidal. I was at a low oh point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, I started stripping mm -hmm. and it really pulled me out of that. It, 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 wow. it made me, it just made me aware of so many things about myself. Like my whole life I've been a people pleaser right and I guess that's the that's the you know the side effect of growing up as a woman <laughs> in the patriarchal society yes. I've always been a people pleaser I'm terrible at establishing boundaries through sex work especially stripping mm -hmm. I've learned how to say no to people mm -hmm. how to establish boundaries how to stop being a people pleaser and instead please myself 
and that's been very very important for me yeah so I started stripping I started doing sugar babying I started writing about my experiences within the industry because I was really sick of always seeing sex work written from the perspective of people who are not in the industry yeah. and it's always this oh how do we save those poor sex workers <laughs> oh we must make it illegal oh we must do this and that they're victims off the male gaze blah 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 and I'm just sitting here like I don't know man I'm kind of like I know that sex work's not empowering for everyone it's a job it's a job but like I don't need to be saved from this I need to be saved from capitalism and my mental health and huh. like my my poorness my like broke lifestyle that I can't totally. <laughs> my, my mental illnesses and my diseases that I cannot afford to have that's why I got into sex work like, <laughs> I don't need saving from sex work I need saving from the world really. so I just yeah I just got really sick of seeing those sort of articles so I started writing my own I had a pub an article published through Fembot magazine, it was something along the lines of I chose to become a stripper and people hate that I love it. Yeah. And it was pretty much just I noticed a lot of the time customers coming in asking me, Oh, how do pretty thing like you end up in a place like this? Oh, we've heard and it all before. Like, yeah, we've heard it all before. And you know, I started getting snarky with them, like, Oh, I could say the same thing to you, or yeah. Oh, well, if it's bad that I'm here, what does that say about you? That sort of thing. But <laughs> like they were always so shocked when I would say to them, like, Oh, I just, I liked performing. I wanted a job I could get paid to perform mm -hmm. because I have a theater degree yeah. and this seemed perfect. And yeah, I just started writing about that, um, made a blog, Vixen Temple blog that over time gained a bit of a following on Instagram, but That's unfortunately great. in May of this year, it, no, sorry, April of this year, it was shut down by censorship because I made a post about how sex work is not consent and it got deleted for hate speech. What? Yeah, okay, that's what I, I remember yep. seeing your Instagram account. That's where I was like, oh, that's why like I kind of know, like, well, I don't know you, but like I was like, oh, I used to follow that before. And I was like, oh, yep, yep. like what happened to that? I was like, is this the same like Vixen Temple blog? Like I'm pretty sure it's yeah, it. me. Oh yes, my god! My, my page. So if you're listening to this and you ever followed Vixen Temple blog on Instagram, because it got a it got a large following yeah, over the huge following. I had it. Um it's gone. It, yeah. it, it got deleted. I, I had nothing. I couldn't re repel it. I couldn't request, hey, what's going on? Yeah. I woke up one day, your whole Instagram was gone. You know, oh my this is hate speech talking about the time I was assaulted by a customer and, and just saying, like, hey, sex workers and consent. That got my whole page shut down. So since then, I've been doing a lot of um, advocism. Sorry. Yeah. Activism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> coffee, coffee brain. <laughs> activism in regards to online censorship. Um, having been the victim of censorship, losing my two years worth of work, two years worth of my mahi just gone. Oh um, God, I'm so sorry for that. Thank you. Yeah. And it, it did have an impact, impact on my mental health, just feeling silenced yeah. for talking about something that was really traumatizing for me mm -hmm. and just frustrated by how I have, I have, I can't do anything. I just had to sit in my room and just let this power be taken away from me. My, I felt like my voice was being taken from me. And right. I had a moment where I thought about just deleting all of my social medias and just disappearing. And I thought, no, oh, wow. no way they win. Yeah. They would win. Exactly. And I can't let that happen. I can't let them silence me because our voices are important. And Absolutely. I may just be a 25 year old living in Aotearoa, you know, just, just vibing, doing my own thing, just trying to get through each day. But like, mm -hmm. I have a lot to offer the world. And I know that as a sex worker and, we all do. Uh, we as sex workers have a lot to offer the world and totally. being an out out of the closet sex worker, I do feel it's my responsibility to use my my platform and my yeah. privilege as a white woman to advocate for our rights yeah. as sex workers because we are a marginalized community and I'm very, very grateful through my community that I've been able to reach out to people like you and connect to other sex workers all over the world who have the same goal as me just to elevate our voices and to show the world that we're not these harlot money hungry you know wife a uh, home wreckers like yes. we're just humans trying to get by uh, and survive get by <laughs> and pay our bills and feed our cats and yeah. you know live in this capitalist hellhole <laughs> oh my gosh like i vixen i can really hear the passion coming through your voice i just wanted to let you know that now like it's okay. Aww. Yeah, it's just really hard to hear um, when I hear stories like this, like when you just feel like completely ousted like that and nothing was your fault. You didn't do it. That's been the hardest thing. I, 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 it's out of my control and being having 
being diagnosed with PTSD, it's a huge trigger of mine is feeling that things are happening out of my control and that I have nothing I can do to stop it. And just waking up to my Instagram being deleted and I have, I can't even, I, I tried to, email them all of my followers were sending complaints yeah I remember that. Issue, and i just got an email from them being like oh we've, we've, the, the page has been deleted we can't get it back uh, and i'm like i don't know there's one thing i've been told a lot since becoming a sex worker online is that once something's gone on the internet it's better safe so i beg to fucking differ yeah mark zuckberg or whatever his name is i don't <laughs> care marking mark whatever <laughs> i don't know his name is zucker 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 that guy <laughs> okay i got zuck i'm angry about it Fuck that guy. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's, like, incredibly infuriating and, and really frustrating. And I'm really, really sorry that it happened to you. Um, but I, I, as you said, like, being able to share your story, um, not just with this, it, like, this sole instance, but just being able to advocate for what is right is hugely important. Because, as you mentioned, we are a hugely, hugely marginalized group of people. So I am so grateful that you're here to, to share your expertise with the audience. Cause we're going to be talking all about, um, decriminalization and the New Zealand model today, which I'm really excited for. Cause as I mentioned, like New Zealand is like the country that everyone looks towards is in terms of sex work. But also, I guess like with other things too, like it's kind of just like been a leader in terms of like in terms of progression, um, like, for example, like, how you're dealing with COVID is, is really admirable. You know, having a, a woman prime minister is also hugely admirable. Like, lots of things like that. And But obviously, with the topic of today, the focal point today, it being um, surrounded with um, – surrounded, sorry – the topic <laughs> of sex work. Oh my god, I'm the one who's rapping today. <laughs> All right, we're we're coming at you from different time zones. We're doing our best. <laughs> yeah, so like it's it's really interesting because New Zealand is like the only country in the world where sex work is decriminalized, and it's just yep. really so cool and admirable. Like a country really just aiming to uphold the human rights of sex workers. Oh yes, and when you when you know the history behind it too, it, it's even more powerful and and beautiful. When you see, you know, I'll go into it as we as we talk more. But the the history behind it, it is it is strong. You know, I feel I feel it should be taught in schools. It's really empowering. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if now is a good time, why don't we go into that? Because I know, like, I just know, like, my really brief spark notes version of like. Awesome. <laughs> well, I can give you, I can go over it with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, so, absolutely. Let's, let's, go. Of, <laughs> let's go. History hour with Vixen Temple. So, <laughs> um, so we have an organization here in Aotearoa called the New Zealand Prostitute Collective. Right. One thing I would like to note first is that while sex work has been decriminalized within Aotearoa, it is not decriminalized for migrant workers. So when they were putting it forward to um, the government, you know, they sort of had to take the offer. It was very much a, well, you know, we'll let citizens do it, but not migrants because obviously sex trafficking, and I'll, I'll go yeah. a bit more further down, oh my gosh. They, they correlate the two. So they could decriminalize it for citizens, but not migrants. So I just wanted to note that it is, it is decriminalized. If you're a citizen, okay. so that is where I have the privilege. Okay, as a um, as a white passing Maori woman, mm-hmm. you know I, I recognize my privilege within this industry. Right, but going back to okay, so New Zealand Prostitutes Collective. Okay, so sex work was decriminalized in Aotearoa in two thousand and three. Right. Prior to that, it was very much what you hear about in other countries, especially what I hear about a lot in America. If you read the book Revolting Prostitutes, okay. Uh, they really, the police raids were awful and they were really targeting trans women by mm-hmm. the list of my research. Um, I spoke with Catherine Dane Healy from New Zealand Prostitutes Collective on my podcast, um, which I'll plug at the end, but you can, she is the founder of NZPC. It was an honor to speak with her. Okay. And the work that they had to do back in 1987, it was just a group of these uh so back in back in the eighties, sex work had to be disguised as you know massage parlors and all that sort of thing. Right. So the masseuses were all meeting in private houses, and um, they were joined by street workers and and trans and non-trans um, women coming in. They wanted to discuss starting a union. They were sick of being. They were sick of the police raids. They were sick of 
especially you know targeting the trans uh woman it, it was as, as easy as you got condoms in your bag you know you're okay. you're a sex worker you're you're being arrested and i can't even imagine how terrifying that is um speaking to Catherine healy about it the the fear of police raids that's something living having never worked in a uh criminalized state of sex work i will never know that fear i will never and i want to acknowledge that mm -hmm. um, it's it must be so scary yeah and if you are listening to this in a country where that is a fear of yours i'm so sorry because that's a fear i've never had so and it's because of nzpc they were sick of the police raids so yeah back in the 80s they all joined together privately to have these chats like right what are we going to do that's so cool and they knew that they had to they had to get um you know like the world health organization behind them they had to get uh proof that by decriminalizing sex work it was actually going to be beneficial for the community mm -hmm. and the way that they went at that was through the focus on hiv and aids prevention oh. because um, during the 80s in aotearoa as, as it was in most countries mm -hmm. there was the, the aids crisis yes. and of course there's that there's always that narrative that sex workers are dirty right. and it's like well actually if we bring in legislated laws we could make it a law that you have to use condoms and mm -hmm. that is a requirement so you, you you noted that you saw in your research there's a big focus on yes. safe sex, sex. Yeah. that's a big thing that they really wanted to advocate mm -hmm. so they worked on this for, for you know ab about two decades they were together um working with the ministry of health to try prove that it would actually be beneficial for sex work to be decriminalized and it wasn't until 2003 um you know they spent all that time publicly advocating for the decriminalization of sex work they were going around parliament you know speaking to mps and speaking to them trying to you know just sway their opinion and like hey yeah um well i guess it's hard to sway polit polit politics opinions but just trying to go in there with an alternative uh view of it right you know we're not these dirty no uh, evil we're just working people and by not by by having all these laws in place you're actually preventing us from being able to have safety and have work rights right and do our job there's this very yep and during the um the parliament presentation on whether it should be decriminalized or not there was a very powerful speech by a woman who was a former sex worker who was uh, raped at knife point oh a very powerful speech about how you know she said i shouldn't have had to take the laws in my own hands i should have been able to go to the police and had that man prosecuted for what he did to me but i wasn't allowed to because i was just a sex worker right it's a very wow. powerful speech and it left the whole room just in utter silence wow and i believe that speech by that strong wahine was, was one of the reasons that it got legislated so um Sorry, yeah, that it got decriminalized. So yeah. it, it was very close. I think the vote was 60 to 59. It was wow. that close, that close. But it was because of the work of NZPC, because of our trans sex work community, because of the the advocacy that they all did, mm -hmm. that we were able to decriminalize sex work here in Aotearoa. And they saw, you know, after a few years, um, many groups tried to come along and, and change it again there was a group of mm. oh some some christians of course it's a uh, christian some christians, some christians. <laughs> yeah they were what were they called the some hope organization based thing and they were trying to uh change the laws and um you know say no sex work is wrong but we have it backed up the decriminalization of sex work is advocated by the united nations by the world health mm -hmm. organization by amnesty international mm -hmm. and sex work led organizations from throughout the world right. and if you look at um you know you you take a look at the statistics you see you speak with sex workers who are around during the decriminalization over this time it did become easier for them to go to the police you know this customer hey this customer I, he just took me in his car he's not paying me please come along hey you have to pay the worker they had a, they provided you a service yeah. it is you know that's how it works here so essentially how it looks and how it operates within Aotearoa as I mentioned you do unfortunately have to be a citizen right um so if you are here working on a holiday or working visa if you get caught doing sex work you will be deported but I would like to note that NZPC supports you regardless of your age regardless of your citizenship race sexuality if you are a sex worker NZPC will support you so in New Zealand, um, it is legal, it is completely legal to operate, own and make money off sex work. You can operate your own brothel if you want. I believe that you can work with up to four sex workers. 
any more than that, you have to register as a as a brothel, um, which you can get through the. Um, yep, you get that through the you know Auckland uh, City District or something. You apply through that, right? And yeah, you can work off the streets. You can work from home. You can work through a building. You can work independently. You can work through a company. Amazing. Um, pimping oh is illegal. You cannot be a third party profiting off the full. Uh, profits off someone they have yeah. to profit too so pimping is fully illegal Good. but yeah you can yeah. off the age of 18 legally make and live off money that you gained and obtained through sex work um you there are sort of there are laws and policies in place to prevent you know work discrimination like you you can't really not hire someone in Aotearoa because of their history of being a sex worker I'm sure it happens yeah but it's, it's, it's yeah, I'm sure it happens, you know, it's not a law, but it's it's definitely a policy that it's you can go to NZPC, you can go to work and income and say, Hey, I'm being I'm being targeted or... for being a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess the thing that I like to emphasize about empathize empathize sorry. <laughs> the thing that I like to really preach about there you go. <laughs> the thing I like to really preach about decriminalization <laughs> of sex work is that it just provides safety. Yes. It provides resources we can go to the police when things go wrong but when people know that we can't go to the police that's why they target sex workers that's why there are so so many serial killers that target sex workers because where are they going to go yeah where are they going to go they can't go to the police they get arrested yeah you know oh this man tried to rape me but you're a sex worker so you get arrested exactly awful yeah so when you look at Aotearoa look we're far from perfect we 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 have a long way to go the stigma is still negative but Mm -hmm. I will I will recognize that in regards to how I see my my sex worker whanau from other countries treated Mm -hmm. we do have it a lot easier here the fact it was a privilege as much as he wasn't punished fairly it was a privilege that i was able to take the, the customer that assaulted me to court it was taken seriously by the police they arrested him they prosecuted him they charged him that went to a sentencing trial unfortunately the lawyer uh, brought up my job but and tried to defend it as that you know that stigma is still there but within the justice system i was able to process that and and charge that man for assaulting him, whereas in another country that I wouldn't have been able to no. do that. No, because like you know, in Canada we have like the Nordic model here, and that is problematic on so many other levels. So basically, again, I mean we we've talked about this on the podcast quite a bit, but um, the selling of sex is um, criminalized, but then yes. the purchasing of sex is not. So that to me just seems really backwards or. Backwards. It doesn't make any sense. sense. It, just, it just puts the sex workers at a higher vulnerable state. It yeah. puts them at such higher risk of being taken advantage of, Absolutely. of being exploited. And that's another really great thing about the law here in Aotearoa mm-hmm. is that it specifies that at any given point of the service, the worker is allowed to revoke their consent. Um, just because the person has paid, it does not mean that they have purchased consent. And at any given moment, you're about to revoke. You're allowed to revoke consent, and if the person continues, it's rape. Right. Um, there's also laws, as I mentioned, we're very big on um, advocating for safe sex. So right. NZPC yeah. hands out free condoms, free um, or oral condoms, sex condoms, everything. Mm-hmm. They have free health clinics for sex workers to come in. They've been handing out free vaccinations for sex workers. Oh wow, that's amazing! It's, it's, it's amazing the mahi they do oh, and the work they provide and the resources they give out and mm-hmm. how they're allowed to be public about it and open about it and it's not something that has to be done in secret right they works with the government to mm-hmm. c- to keep continuing to make sure that sex workers in new zealand are being looked after and are being protected and do have fair working conditions which i would argue most of us don't strip club managers really take advantage of us but <laughs> we at least have a, a platform a union to go to that if it gets really bad we can run to them and say hey uh, we're being exploited and we need help we need justice and they're there to back us up well the fact that you have you even have support and you have resources that you can freely go to is already a huge step in the right direction like i'm, I'm envious of that and um i also want to mention too uh to define sex work in new zealand sex work is um defined as the exchange um of sex like physical sex for payment so um 
when I was doing my research on this episode, stripping and, and phone sex, they're not considered sex work, but, you know, sugaring is, escorting is, etc. Yep. So, yep. yeah, just wanted to define that in case anyone's like, oh, well, what, why, what's, why is, like, what is that supposed to be done there? So that's, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. In Aotearoa, it's very similar to other countries. Sex work is a very umbrella term for anything. It covers a wide range of just selling the illusion of, of, of intimacy, mm-hmm. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. Or fa- uh, the fantasy sexual illusion, you know, whether it's stripping, escorting, dominatrixing, um, yeah. sugar babying, yes. uh, massage parlor, phone sex operator, um, online sex work, whatever it is, mm-hmm. NZPC will support you and I don't think a lot of enough sex workers in Aotearoa know about oh. NZPC and it's why I, I advocate for them so much. They are amazing and it's it's one of those things that I think because of the internet and social media and TikTok and all that, we see a lot of young people entering the industry yeah. and entering it with really no idea of, of, of safety measures um, of their rights. Yeah. And I really try to, you know, when I hear people entering the industry, I try to say, hey, look up. Aotearoa New Zealand Sex Work Collective, please know your rights. Yeah. On their website, it has all of the laws that us sex workers have. You know, it, it emphasizes that if a client removes removes a condom, mm-hmm. they can be fined up to $2,000. In fact, a, a, right. woman, a sex worker won a case earlier this year oh, in right. Christchurch where she, she sued a client who took off, removed the condom, and she got, yeah, I think two grand or something from it. Wow. Um, he he was fined. So it's it's taken very seriously. I you love know, that, you, you do not you do not take advantage of us and unfortunately like i said there's still the negative stigma there's mm-hmm. always going to be people that look down on us especially because i think we're just viewed through the patriarchal lens of being a, a only woman's business and of course any any labor that woman is doing is considered unnecessary you know we're, we're dismissed as just the mothers the house cleaners any any service that a woman provides is dismissed so when you look at the sex work industry as being largely dominated by women, which it is, I will say mm-hmm. that, because our demographic is largely uh, heterosexual men. Okay. But yeah. when you look at how it's women, largely women doing it, I think that's why people hate us so much, because they're like, oh, it's a woman's work. Uh, Man, I, don't, I do not know many female sex workers. We're all trans, non-binary, mm-hmm. badasses. It, it's okay. very rare that I know a cis woman is a sex worker, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just how it is. It's how it is here. So... Yeah, there's still a lot of toxic masculinity in this country where, mm-hmm. you know, men, oh, I wouldn't date a sex worker. Like, oh, they wouldn't date you, Brad. Yeah, exactly. Who who asked for your opinion? <laughs> yeah, no one. No one asked. No one cares. Sorry that you're single. Do you want to go for a lap dance? <laughs> it's going to be me tonight. <laughs> the club. Yeah, you can be with me tonight and then when your wallet's empty, you can leave. You can leave. <laughs> I wanted to go quickly um, – I want to go back to the the um, the notion that the law here, the decriminalization of sex work, is pl- applies just to citizens of New Zealand. Which I thought was really interesting. I actually want to share a story. <laughs> so, oh, please do. I love stories. Yeah. So, and that's this is this kind of makes sense to me now. So, basically, I was when was this? Back in twenty eighteen, I actually went to New Zealand. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I went to Wellington. So much fun. It was lovely. I had such an amazing time. It was, it was great. It was just um, a little bit tricky to get in for me. So basically, so I'm Canadian. So let me tell you the story. <laughs> so uh, I think I might've shared this a long time ago on the podcast, but yeah, I was entering, I was coming from, where was I coming from? Fiji. Um, and I was coming into New Zealand and my girlfriend was going to come pick me up. We had this whole thing. We're going to go out for dinner, all this stuff. And then, yeah, so like immigration, I'm not sure what flagged them on my passport or something, but I guess they like Googled me and saw that I used to be a sugar baby. And, yes. and, and uh, then, yeah, this whole thing happened. Uh, I was taken to questioning. Uh, yeah, for like four hours. I missed my flight, like my connecting flight from like Auckland to Wellington. And they just kept asking me all these questions, like if I was planning to sugar there. And this was like years, like at least at least five years after I had stopped sugaring. And 
they just were questioning me. They were, they were really nice about it. Like they were all nice about it, but I just was really traumatized by it. I was crying. It was like, oh, not a good I am thing. so, so sorry. Yeah, it yeah. was bad. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you for sharing that because that is exactly what we were talking about. I interviewed the president of the Migrant Workers Association here in Aotearoa and she was speaking about that, how they the the immigration New Zealand can be very uh racist <laughs> surprise <laughs> surprise you know she says that Europeans come in and they don't get hassled as much as as Asians or yeah or indigenous folk and I I think it's it's really disgusting to hear that and yeah sex workers especially and and sex workers you know if if you're coming in here and you have anything on your social media that looks dodgy or anything yeah they they can question you and they can deport you. Yeah. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. That must have been so scary. It was super scary because then, like, it was really bad, too, because I hadn't seen my girlfriend in a long time because she used to work in Canada. And then she obviously – she's from New Zealand, so she moved back. And Oh, cool cup I love that. Yeah, it was really nice. Like, we, we were really good friends. We were, like, total, like <laughs> – like, oh. partners in crime when she was up here in Canada. And I was like, oh, I'm finally making my way down to New Zealand. I told you I'd come and visit. And then – she like only uses Facebook Messenger to like to communicate, so I didn't have her phone number. So everything just looked super sus and like sketchy. And I'm like I don't have her phone number. I'm really sorry. Like I'm staying at this Airbnb and blah blah. blah. Like it just everything looked really bad. They're like, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm so sorry. That must have been so awful. <sighs> but that's exactly it. So in Aotearoa, you can. You know, if you are a migrant, if you come over here on a working visa, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're caught, you risk being deported, and that would be terrifying. And you know, as I learned yeah. speaking with the president of Migrant Workers Association, mm-hmm. uh, it is very expensive to get to New Zealand, as yeah, it is every country. Hella expensive, but most, mm-hmm. you know, most yeah, exactly. And, and when you're a migrant to a country, you you come to that country in debt. Yeah, what are you going to do to pay off that debt? I don't know. Why not? sex work it's a very quick way to pay off debt I think totally. we can all agree on that and it's frustrating that in order to get to these countries they have to spend all this money but then they're not provided the same rights that our citizens are yeah. to earn money and I just don't understand I think it's a double standard if totally. you are if you are here in Aotearoa on a working visa why are you not given the same working rights as the citizens, citizens yes. you are here to contribute to our economy they should have every right to contribute through sex work because that way, if it's decriminalized for them, they can pay taxes. Yes, I they can go to the police when things go wrong. Because here's the thing: the reason they have against decriminalizing migrant sex work is they're afraid that the migrants are at higher risk of being trafficked. But yes, when you don't exactly. let them have the rights to exactly when you don't let them have the rights to go to the police when things go wrong, that's how they get trafficked. So it's so backwards. It, it literally oh, wow. makes no sense. And it's really exactly. infuriating because, like, unfortunately, it's, it's very it's a similar tune that's played here in Canada and as well as, like, yep. America in the States, too. Like, migrant workers are just not represented at all. They're not – they're treated nope. even lower if, if it's even possible. Um, but they're treated- – Oh, I know. If it's even possible, they're treated yeah. like gum. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. awful and it's – it's one of the problems that we have here in Aotearoa you know we are a progressive country but the racism here is disgusting and there is a lot of toxic uh, masculinity and a lot of misogyny within this country so you know you're a sex worker that sucks throw in being a migrant sex worker on top of that you know you're you're screwed you've you've got no one to advocate for you however you do have NZPC like I said regardless of your age of your citizenship status NZPC is there for you so if you're listening to this and you're in Aotearoa and you're doing sex work and you're not 18 or, you know, you're a migrant and you're, in, you're very secretive about it, you do not have to give your legal name. You, It's all anonymous if you want to go to the NZPC and talk to someone. Completely anonymous. There will be no trace of you having ever been there. So Amazing. they are there for you. Yep. Yeah. And they are trying to change these laws. They had to, of course, take what they could get at the time yes. back in the 2003s. Of course. But times are changing. Time and is- conversations are starting. Yeah. And we need to have these conversations so that the laws can maybe one day be changed and the migrants, people can work here in New Zealand and as migrant sex workers and 
be able to go to the police when customers fucking assault them because they do. They target the migrants because they know they don't have any rights. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of wanted to go into as well, since you've done such a great job explaining everything in like minute detail. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a Gemini rising. It's one of my, one of my skills. Go. I know how to go into great detail. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect, especially for the show. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I want to hear like, if, if you want to share in any capacity, like what has been the impact if, if you know, within your own research too, since the law, I guess the New Zealand Prostitution Act, I think the uh, yeah, Prostitution Reform Act, yep. since that's been acted, um, have you heard of any um, improvements or, or what the impact has been at all, if any? Oh, yes, absolutely. So as I mentioned, once um, it was decriminalized, suddenly sex workers were able to go to the police. Now I can understand, I, I imagine that at the start, that must have been a very awkward, hostile situation because mm-hmm. you've spent years not trusting the police. You've spent yeah. years hiding from the police, the trauma that these sex workers still have to this day, that they're going to have a client that's an undercover cop and be arrested. Um, is It must be endless and you must never be able to take away that you know, I have PTSD. It doesn't go away. You just yeah. have to learn to live with it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine that at first it must have been a weird transition to go from being a terrified of the police to suddenly, oh, I can turn to them. Yeah. So I, I imagine that must have been weird for a while. For especially sure. For marginalized sex workers, trans sex mm-hmm. workers, um, indigenous sex workers. I, I know that here in Aotearoa, Polynesian and Maori folk experience awful racism yeah um as as indigenous folk do in every colonized country absolutely but i can assure you that uh decriminalizing it has as i mentioned i was able to take a customer to court uh we are able to you know every time i see a newspaper article about the the sex worker that that fined a customer for removing the condom that would never happen in a country where it didn't have the decriminalization yeah and What's frustrating is what I've been doing with my advocacy is that I live in a country where, as a citizen, I legally am allowed to do sex work, but mm-hmm. because of foreign policies such as foster sister in America, I can't exist on the internet and do sex work. Right. Like I can go on the street and I could I could give a man a blowjob for cash and that's fully legal, but the second I post about it on the internet, like I'm breaking a law in another country and I get censored. Yes. And it's so frustrating because I'm here in a country where it's dead ass legal to do what I do I can't do it on the internet and that's extremely frustrating and that's why I'm always advocating against foster and sister and trying to make people aware that by making something illegal it doesn't make it go away no. it just makes it dangerous it just, it's about it harm reduction. It's about yes being able to manage what's going on mm-hmm. and within Aotearoa you can see that because NZPC works with the government we are able to have somewhat of a healthy relationship where it's not going in the dark. If something is a taboo, if something gets othered, there's no way to monitor it. There's no way to manage it. There's no way to, you know, it's like the, the war on drugs. It just becomes dangerous. It just, it's like the abortion laws. Exactly. If you stop them, it just makes backyard abortions a thing. You you criminalize sex work, it's not going to stop it. It's just people are going to be having unsafe sex. Yeah. They're going to be in higher risks of being trafficked. You uh, decriminalize it, now we're not. Customers come to us knowing that we can turn to the police if they do something wrong. Right. Having that power is very important as a sex worker. It's it must be terrifying being a sex worker in a country knowing that the customer knows that he has full power over you yeah. because you have nowhere to go. Here in New Zealand, here in Aotearoa, I know at the back of my mind, especially as a white woman, mm-hmm. that I can get help. Yes. I can get help. Wow. That's so, so powerful. Um, I just wanted to share... Um, I actually did some research earlier this year and I was working with the uh, Youth Coalition and um, they organized um, a focus group, which I co-facilitated with Salome Salvi, who has been on the show a couple of times. Amazing. Yeah, we co-facilitated a focus group uh, with youth sex workers from all around the world, uh, a lot of them from different countries in Africa, um, Sweden, um, Philippines and stuff. And the overwhelming response was we want the New Zealand model. Yep. 
that was like a really yeah yeah it was just amazing it was just like as we mentioned um throughout the episode today like they were in so many countries like uganda and kenya um just speaking about like how work there is outlawed um and it makes it really really difficult to live and for them to even do their job and as mentioned earlier it just makes their jobs incredibly risky to connect but then when your job is illegal Mm -hmm. you have no working rights yes that is just terrifying that's just a terrifying concept to me as someone that's never had to operate as a sex worker where it's been legalized Mm -hmm. and it's something that when i talk to um sex workers in other countries there's that that block that I can't relate to them because I, I, I am in a country where I, like I said, I could, I could right now stand outside on my front porch. I could go walk down the street, get paid for a blow job and I'm not breaking any laws. You're allowed to do that. It, I'm allowed to do that. I can go do that right now. I'll take you all with me. Let's go. Let's go <laughs> suck a dick for cash. Like, <laughs> and, and let's not get arrested for it. And it's yeah. so sick and sad that there are countries that I, I couldn't do that no. and that people can't do that. Like, what the hell? It's, it's one of the things that NZPC was advocating during the, the 80s and the 90s. It was trying to get that message across. It's our body. Yeah. And we should have the right to choose whether someone, like, it's our consent. It's our body. It's our right to choose how we profit, yeah. how we make money. And when you forced us into this world where we all have to pay to exist, yeah. let us have the right to choose how we pay to exist. Absolutely. And for some of us, Oddly autonomous. It's, it's sex work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everyone should have the, like, the right to choose what they want to do with their body, how they want to make money. Like, these, these are just like basic human rights. It is. And I don't understand people that think it's a personality trait to be against people doing stuff to their body that doesn't affect them at all. No. Like, get a hobby. Get a life. No. It must be so boring. Oh, <laughs> Karen is worse. I'm like, girl, have a wank. It's okay. Shit. Like, <laughs> we're not here destroying the economy in the world. In fact, in many ways, I view sex workers as, as heroes of the community. We're working up close and personal with people in the community who, you know, we work with people who have never been touched, people mm-hmm. who have severe trauma from their childhoods and we get to we get to help them with that and yeah. of course it's not i didn't become a sex worker to help people i became a sex worker to make money but i, I realized after a few weeks in the industry of like wait i'm, I'm actually yeah. helping people this is really beautiful and as someone that you know i'm, I'm quite an empathetic person mm-hmm. it can be a lot i get quite overwhelmed in strip clubs i'm very much a sponge of people's energies yeah but when i learned how to compartmentalize that I was able to go in and, and, and I, I don't know, in many ways I feel like that sex workers are healers. Yeah. I believe that we're sacred connections to the divine goddess. Yeah. Whether you're a, a man, woman, envy, you know, the feminine mm-hmm. and the masculine, it's, it's genderless. And I, I view sex workers as very sacred, very spiritual gods and goddesses and deities that should be should be celebrated and, and honoured and instead we're shunned by society and it's it's such a shame because we have so much to give the world. We're not we're really not bad people, eh? Like we're just oh, trying trying our best as we all are. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I to close this part of the the episode, because we're gonna go into some Q and A after this, um I, I will say because I, I found it during my research too, um, there was a report of the Prostitution Law Review Committee back in 2008, so just five years after the um, PRA was enacted. Um, mm-hmm. And it said here, the Prostitution Law Review Committee concluded that the decriminalization has improved the occupational health and safety of sex workers. And quote, it says, the Prostitution Reform Act has had a marked effect in safeguarding the rights of sex workers to refuse particular clients and practices, chiefly by empowering sex workers by removing the illegality of their work. So it's just, yep. again, like just amazing um, what, what this model looks like and what this can look like. And oh yes. a lo- yeah, like a lot oh, of, yes. so, many of con- so many of these countries, we, we really, as I mentioned earlier, we, we look up to the New Zealand model. So thank you so much, Vixen, for sharing all of your information today and explaining everything. Oh, Hey, Tenakwe for letting me talk about it. As I said to you before we started recording, I, I really want more people to learn about the history of decriminalization of sex work in Aotearoa. And mm-hmm. if you aren't in Aotearoa, you know, start 
start talking about this with your friends and you can see yeah. what it looks like to decriminalize have these conversations with your with your community whether you're a sex worker or not if you're listening to this as an ally as a client like we need you especially to to advocate for us because people yes. don't always listen to us as sex workers mm -hmm. uh unfortunately so yeah we would appreciate the advocacy so you know and i'm 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 assuring you as someone that operates in a, in a country where it's it's decriminalized and i as i mentioned like i have this mental block where i can't relate to people that have been arrested and have that fear of the police and mm -hmm. it's such a privilege that i i want to extend to the whole world we deserve it and i just want to conclude this section with a quote from the human rights commission back in 2001 uh they said reckon Recognition that sex work is labor and not a criminal activity mm -hmm. allows public policy to focus upon human rights, health and safety issues, and fair working conditions within the industry. And that's, I think, just the best way to summarize why yes. decriminalization is the best, oh, is the best way forward. Oh, oh I know, right? <laughs> I just had to. I just had to. Like, that was amazing. That was a perfect end quote for this section. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I went to university. I know how the bullshit quotes at the end of a thing to make me sound smart. <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> yep. That's what they teach you at uni. Exactly. <laughs> just a few questions that came in for you, Vexen. Um, yeah, I guess. Oh, hello. Yes, yeah. So this one came in on Instagram. So mm -hmm. it came from user Galigo Smash. Um, would hello hello <laughs> and thank you for listening and submitting questions. <laughs> uh, the question that he has was, "Would decriminalization affect prices for patrons?" Um, I doubt it. Yeah. Oh, actually, I—that's a question. Um, I suppose I don't know how it works within other countries. I guess, especially in regards to escorting, if you're going to, um clients that pick their own prices i think it would i think clients would feel safer to rise raise their prices um not clients sorry uh the service the workers would feel safer to raise their prices because one thing that i noted in here in aotearoa is once it was decriminalized people felt safer to to say no these are my set rates and people weren't bartering them as much because they're no longer desperate they can you can be a bit more pickier about your clients when it's decriminalized right so right. i do think yes it would affect the prices and yeah. i'm sure as a client you're not wanting to hear that you're probably wanting it to stay the same but <laughs> if you're a good client you'll want to pay whatever the service is offering because is asking for because it'll be worth it because, yes um yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to pay to have sexual services. So pay what they're asking or find someone that has the prices that you want. Just exactly. don't barter us. Yes. Yeah, no, no, thank you for that question, actually. That was a very good question. That was thank a good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, I have to think about that one for a second. Damn, that, that caught me yeah. off guard. Yeah, there are old questions. I'm like, oh, this is really, really interesting. I'm like, oh, I have to like take a moment, <laughs> take pause. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for that question. That was awesome. Perfect. Next question. Um, also came from Instagram. This person wants to remain anonymous. So the question is, how can new sex workers find ways to connect with other sex workers? Oh, yes. Now, it was so much easier back in the day before Foster and Sister yes. because, ah, because, you know, there used to be websites where you could backlist bad clients you know there were, there were whole communities dedicated to sex workers being able to reach out to each other these days i would highly recommend twitter um, make an anonymous sex work account follow other sex workers there's so many discord channels that you can join so many. um if you'd like to follow me on twitter um i'm at vixen temple blog hit me up and i could send you some um discord chats that you can join and you can there's also facebook pages that i'm in that have uh, obviously names like uh group bible sessions <laughs> we love jesus but it's actually sex workers yes. <laughs> so if you want to add me on twitter and and reach out to me I'll, I'll i'll make a link of all these places that you can join and yeah come to me and i'll send you those but yeah definitely join twitter there's a great community of sex workers on twitter and the censorship laws on twitter aren't as strong mm -hmm. so it's a lot easier to get away with more things so i'd say twitter twitter's great follow follow other sex workers uh yeah and go from there definitely though if you're new to the industry Heidi, my welcome. Um, connecting with other sex workers is the safest option. So very proud of you for doing that. 
Exactly. And of course, uh, listener, if you are listening at this moment, feel free to reach out to me. I'd, I'd be happy to share the Discord group that I am in as well as uh, some of the other Facebook groups. Um, we just ask that you please um, adhere to the rules in Facebook so we don't get shut down. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Again, don't share it with people that aren't sex workers. Um, be very picky about who you share it with. And, yeah, please don't get us deleted. Don't get us deleted. <laughs> we love Jesus. Bible group. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we just have one more question here um, from Instagram who also wants to remain anonymous. So we will uh, obviously honor that. And this, we'll respect that. Yes, this person is brand new to full service sex work. And their question is in the really limited amount of characters that was in Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but they've also messaged me after too, so I can elaborate. Um, what is the best way to hear about others' work experiences under certain management? And I had asked for them to kind of elaborate a little bit. Um, and I messaged them back and I'll just read it out here. I've just started full service sex work and found the hardest thing is finding ways to hear about other workers' experiences, in particular to workplaces like agencies and brothels. I know a lot of it is to do with privacy and not wanting clients and civ people to access certain information, like we mentioned just now. But as someone new to this line of work, I felt all I've wanted to do is read about others' experiences in workplaces so I can figure out good places for me to work. Um, and if that makes sense at all, it does make sense. Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think I'm going to answer the same way I did the previous one. I think the best way to do it is to join these Discord group chats and sex work communities where um, I'm in so many pages on Facebook and mm-hmm. um, Discord where it's literally just to talk about clubs and your experiences yeah. there. So it's speaking with other sex workers who have worked at these places because if you speak directly to the management, of course they're going to up talk. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. The best way to find out what management is really like yeah. is to speak to the workers. And yes, you are new, so you might not know many workers. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest for you to gather a community, um, join communities, join sex work communities mm-hmm. on the internet. Um, again, hit us both up, and we can invite you to our groups. And just ask around. I, I, again, do not go to the managers themselves. Ask the workers. They'll be brutally fucking honest with you. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, and then you can pick the best club. Yes. <laughs> and um, I guess my advice for you, listener, uh, keep listening to this podcast. There's so many great podcasts that you can li- literally listen to all the different accounts of different worker experiences, different types of sex workers, um, different areas and regions you might open yes. so um i don't want to toot my own horn here but um i mean this is literally what my podcast is about so yes, it sounds like girl it's your podcast you toot your own damn horn as much as you want toot it <laughs> damn loud too toot it right in my face <laughs> i love you <laughs> thanks i'm a leo i'm here to hype my friends up <laughs> that's it for questions vixen um but before i let you go where can we all find you Yes, please come find me. So I am on Instagram, uh, vixentemple.666, uh, Twitter at vixentempleblog, and then you can just go onto my link tree and all of my my other YouTube channels, podcasts, blog, it's all there. So yeah, follow me on Twitter at vixentempleblog. Look up my link tree. If you, if you want to see me naked, you can join my fansly. I make cosplay porn. Uh, I make porn for the queer gays. At least I try to. I'm trying to overcome my internalized male gaze. <laughs> so yeah, I make queer for the. I make sorry. I make queer for the porn gays. I make porn for the queer gays. <laughs> I have a podcast where I talk about sex work. Yeah. I have a blog where I talk about sex work, and I have an Instagram where I talk about sex work and myself and my cat. Lots of cat photos. So if you like cats, follow me there. But yeah, that's that's my work. And please check out my YouTube channel because. You can check out Bruce, the strip club customer. He's, yes. you, you love to hate him. Please check out Bruce. You love to hate him. <laughs> you have to subscribe to that. I'm so excited <laughs> for a good laugh after Yes, please do. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. This was really, really fun. And thank you to everyone listening. I, I really hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. You are so very welcome, Vixen. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you again for sharing all of your expertise, your wealth, knowledge, and just like Telling the world how amazing the New Zealand model is, and we're all envious, and we all just hope one day that we—I mean, of where I am in Canada—we hope that we can adopt something that is similar uh, to the model. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. 
go-to. If any country can copy us, it's it's got to be Canada. Come, Come on, on, Canada. Come on. Come on. We believe in you. You've got this. <laughs> <laughs> and for everyone else listening, it's new episodes every single Sunday at midnight Pacific Standard Time. Um, don't forget to like, rate, share, review, and maybe rate me five stars on Apple. Subscribe. Uh, get at me with comments or any feedback you may have, good or bad. Um, and I will catch everyone in for another episode next week. Thanks so much, Fixin. Thank you. Aroha nui. You're listening to Strip by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, artwork by Maria Bellandorama, music by Ted D, and photography by Ian W.